My name is Dr. Michaela Keegan Yadley, and I've spent the last 17 years of my career in schools as a teacher and principal. I started the Dissect Ed podcast to help you by using my strengths of connecting and relating to bring amazing guests to you each week. We will cover a wide range of topics related to all aspects of and roles in education. My goal? For you to enjoy and feel successful in your role so we keep amazing teachers and leaders in schools. Thank you for all you do. Take care and enjoy. This podcast episode is brought to you by the 3D Printing Man. Get everything from custom food bowls for your pets to chore lists for your family in more than 15 vibrant colors, all custom designed. Visit his store on Etsy by searching the 3D Printing Man, all one word. Again, that's the 3D Printing Man on Etsy and get 10% off with the code DISSECTED. Hello and Happy New Year, everybody. It is Tuesday and I am really excited for a special episode of Dissected. So season two has featured teachers really describing in detail what the challenges are this year. Current leaders, school leaders and district leaders who are currently leading the work in a way that is best for their staff, talking about what they do and also thought leaders and current researchers and lead practitioners in the area of mostly organizational leadership providing tips and insight into what are uh, the best leadership practices and how can we get there uh, in our uh, education system. But, you know, it's funny. I left out, inadvertently, a really important voice, and that is the voice of our kids. So I had a student reach out to me and ask to share her perspective on the change that's needed in schools, it doesn't have anything to do with COVID. In her perspective, she is a student in Providence. She's going to introduce herself. She actually is a junior in high school at a high school where I was principal a long time ago. And she's going to share her, her take on what is difficult systemically with our education system what the challenges are, what needs to change. And we're really excited to have her with us because she does her best to explain in her own words what the challenges are for her being a black female student in Providence and what she wants people to know about how she herself has been affected by certain systemic practices and what she thinks can help improve this. So I'm going to lead the format of this in a little bit of a different way where I will introduce the segments where Antonia is providing her insight into her experience and really going there and getting specific on what she feels needs to be different in order for our schools to serve every student and for there to be true equity in educational opportunities. This is a really powerful episode. 
it's pretty relevant to a conversation that is happening currently in Rhode Island that has made it to the national news level, but it's also relevant to just our current times and things that we've been talking about as a nation for the past two years. So without further ado, we're going to get right into our conversation with Antonia. Antonia, I'm going to ask you to tell our listeners um, a little bit about what you do. Like, I know you're a student at Juanita Sanchez, and you told me that you had practice in the morning. So tell us a little bit about what you do on the, uh, for practice. What do you do for sports? I run cross country, and I also do indoor and outdoor track. And I will be starting volleyball next year, well, during the summer. And it kind of just started in sports, actually, because I'm mostly, like, the leader in a way. Mm-hmm. When coach needs somebody to, like, guide or, like, to show them around and stuff, he's mostly like, oh, Antonia, I need you, da 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 And so I kind of just, like, fit into the role, even in school. And so when I saw, like, things were kind of out of place, I guess, I kind of just kind of spoke out about it. Yeah, all right. So that's exactly what I want to hear. I just have a quick question. You don't happen to have an older brother, do you? I do. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Or Octavio. Octavio. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I just saw, so I just looked at your name and how it's spelled, and I was like, wait a second. I had Octavio. Octavio. One of the most memorable and just amazing humans Um. I absolutely love your brother. And so we can talk about what he's up to later, but he um, he stands out. I mean, this was five years ago now. Um, and he, yeah, he stands out. So I believe he might've graduated while I was there, unless he was a year be- uh, behind. But wow. So you come from a, a family of of. I would say leaders or leadership can look like a lot of different things. Um, and uh, wow, what a, what a privilege, what an honor. <laughs> you, you should be very proud. Um, so I want to hear from you, Antonia. What do you want to tell us and tell adults, anybody who's in charge of making decisions about schools and education, what do you want to tell them? I just want to, I just want to say that they should always include student voice. Though we may be younger, we have a different outlook on life than they do. And because most of the time they make decisions based on either their past experiences or how they would have handled it in their generation. Because things from older generations don't really work in our generations. It's kind of outdated. And so they kind of just make decisions out of that. They also need to like input student perspective. It's kind of the same, but like student perspective and choice. I feel like most of the times when we say something, they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna do da 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 da. And I kind of just push it off, hoping you'd forget about it. So like, yeah, I feel like that needs to change. So what Antonia is talking about here is something that I've heard so often as a teacher and then when I was a school principal, and students are so powerful, their voices are so powerful, and so I'm really glad that Antonia spoke up about this because it's one thing to ask for student input, it's, just, it's another 
to actually take that input and turn it into action and work with students to make a stronger and better school for them. So that's what we were talking about. And then she gave us some insight into some other specific challenges about the system of schools. Let's hear what she has to say. School system itself. Like, I feel like it's rigged in a way. When you say system, what do you mean by that? Like, just the way they have us in school, basically. It's like, it teaches, when you go to school, right, and they're like, the teachers, I feel like the teachers basically kind of, like, control you in a way. Can you and give me an like, example? So there's, like, this one time I had to, like, even to, like, not even, like, I know it's a safety thing, but, like, to ask to use the bathroom and be denied that, and it's kind of like, well, I have to go, I can't really hold it. And then when you do, because they do these things called hall sweeps and whatnot, you basically get, like, harassed at it. And it's like, it could it could be very uncomfortable. So, so like the basic need of going to the the restroom when you need to, um, in in your experience, like what is there a better way to to do that for for kids to to kind of to meet that need without being made to feel uncomfortable or awkward? I think it's a thing of trust. I know there are some students that don't really like follow the rules and stuff like that, and there are students that have two separate consequences for those students' actions. But at the end of the day, we're learning to be mature and we're learning to grow up. And I feel like we should have more trust. They should have more trust in us to do what we have to do and then return to our classrooms and stuff like that. So it comes down to trust and expectations. Antonia went on to explain that Having a trusting relationship with a teacher doesn't mean that the teacher just lets her do or let students do whatever they want, whenever they want. In fact, she linked that strong trusting relationship to having a teacher who also has high expectations for them. And I thought it was important to mention that and highlight that because there is a pretty big misperception, misconception that strong relationships or good relationships between t- between teachers and students means that there's a permissive environment and students get to do whatever they want. And that's not the case. That would not be considered a strong teacher-student relationship. So what she went on to explain was that there needs to be a level of trust between teachers and students both ways and that when teachers have high expectations and then show students that they trust them to meet those expectations, that the students then want to meet those expectations and in return, they feel trusted and that there's not this authoritarian figure looking over them all the time. And this is something that I've heard a lot, especially as it relates to using the restroom, interestingly enough, that is something that students really uh, feel like when they're not able to decide when they need to use the bathroom or when they can, it's something that really bothers them. So just paraphrasing a little bit of what we talked about so that I could bring that to you. Let's hear what else she has to say. So t- tell me something else. What else, when you say the system, you said like it's almost like it's rigged or it's, um, it's just not, like the whole system itself isn't working. What else do you mean by that? 
I read something a while back about the whole thing. I can't really remember it, and I should have. That's okay. But um, it's like so. You remember how, like, four hundred plus years ago, it was mostly the whites that got the education, and then the blacks kind of like left out of the whole educational loop. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's kind of designed for the little the white kids to kind of prosper more than the black kids. And when the when they do, when the black kids do prosper as much as the white kids, they're kind of like, oh, well, like, are you kind of are you cheating? Like, how do you know this? Da, 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 da. It, they just kind of they look down on the black kids for being as smart or just as or smarter than the white kids. And then when they are and they're like oh no like I'm studying and like I I kind of bought this on myself like I kind of want to do better they're like oh like why are you acting so oh like you want to be white or whatever whatever like you're acting white and I actually get that a lot like do when you? I show, yeah when I like pro, like showcase my intelligence on something they're like oh stop acting white and I'm like intelligence does not have a race does not have an ethnicity. It, anyone could be smart if they really wanted to. Like, so you said when black kids prosper, they get asked if they cheated. Mm-hmm. Has that ever happened to you before? Yeah. In my second grade class, we had this math test. And I was pretty good at math. It was just multiplication. And I had dropped my pen. And the my classmate that was sitting next to me was like, "Oh my gosh, she's cheating off my test!" And like, and I was like, "I." And she told the teacher, and the teacher was like, "If you didn't know it, you could have just asked me to go to go over it." And I'm like, "No, I just dropped my pencil." And she was like, "Oh, like you you don't need to lie. Like I know you don't understand it." And I'm like, "But I do." And she's like, "No, there's no reason to lie." And she kind of just went back and forth on that. So that was second. That was a long time ago because you're a junior in high school now and that still stands out to you. Are there any other uh, examples or instances that you can think of that your friends, that you might have seen your friends or classmates experience like that? Um, I want to really know my friends because most of them don't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. Some people just let it slide. I don't let things slide, especially if it has to do with like race and stuff like that. But... Why do you think people let things slide? Why do you think uh, Why do you think your classmates or your friends might let things slide? Because they're comfortable with it. It doesn't really like bother them in a way that it would bother me. Like, yeah. How does that make you feel? Upset. Why? Because like, all right, let me share this one incident. Mm-hmm. So we had this this coach, and this was my freshman year of high school. We I joined the team. And, um, you know, after practice, they would just kind of sit around and chat and stuff like that. And then he came up to me and he was like, oh, like, did you say the N-word? But he actually said it out. And I was like, excuse me? And he's like, oh, like, did you say the N-word? And I'm kind of a quiet person when I'm not really close with anybody. So, like, I didn't talk much. And he came up to me and he was like, oh, did you say the N-word? I'm like, no, but why are you? Cause he's a he's a full on Caucasian, and like I don't know, like it just it, everyone like that, that I told anyways on the team were like, oh yeah, he says that a lot, and they were kind of just like they're kind of just brushing it off. I'm like, well, why is that normal? 
like you guys have normalized him saying the n-word nobody dared to correct him on it so that's that kind of just made me upset i was fascinated by this response from antonia because I wanted to know more about why she thinks her classmates or teammates may not have said anything or made a big deal out of it in that moment. And how she responded to me really kind of blew me away. It really made me sad. And I think it was a very honest assessment on her part of why her teammates didn't speak up or say anything about that when it happened. Here's what she had to say. They don't like to be interrogated or ask questions or like have to be told to elaborate on things that they that might be uncomfortable to talk about. And when it comes to race, everyone's uncomfortable. Everyone's walking on eggshells. Nobody really wants to talk about it. They kind of it's kind of like a hush hush situation. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because all of the unsolved racial issues that go on. I asked Antonia what she meant by the education system because she said she had a lot to say about the education system and things that were wrong with it, things that needed to be changed. And she talked a lot about the climate and culture at her school and how it feels right now versus how it felt a couple of years ago when she was a freshman and compared to other places where she's been. So she described a vibrant, warm culture at one point that now feels gloomy and dark. And so I asked her to explain that as if somebody hadn't walked into that school before, didn't know exactly what to look for, how that would look, sound, and feel like. And she explains that for us. There are definitely some discipline practices taking place. Like we had, we had never had a lunch line before. Like even out, like outside the lunch line, actually, because we always did have to wait to get our food, just so that like it's not like packed and it's not overwhelming for the staff and the students. But they like they had it outside and they would not let us go in until everyone was in a single file line. And we have a lot of kids at our school. So it's not going to be a single file line. There's always going to be kids that are standing outside the line, that are trying to squish in, trying to cut the line. Like, it's just, it's not going to really run smoothly. And we had, like, a very little time to, like, have eat lunch. And so by us waiting out outside to get into a single file line, took time away from our lunch, our lunch time. And even when we did get our food, we had, like, five minutes to eat, and then we had to go back to class. So it was that, and also the, the hall monitoring, because we never really had that before. Well, we did, but it wasn't as bad as now. Sorry, I'm like sick, and my voice is kind of yeah. like... <laughs> you are. You, so, you sound great. You do. You sound great. <laughs> and you look, your, your, your face is even brighter. So um, when you say hall monitoring, so I mean, you know, that's a pretty common thing to have adults in the hallways, right? Just... For lots of reasons, what I love being in the hallways just to say hi to students and like see people and and also make sure they're in class on time, right? Um, and then there's the safety aspect of it too, and that's in every school everywhere. So, what specifically? Because I think you can have adults in the hallway, right? And it cannot feel gloomy and dark. You can feel supportive, bright and cheery. Um, what about the adult presence in the hallway now makes it feel different or gloomy and dark? 
we always had home monitoring. It's not like it's nothing new, but it's just the new staff and their attitude towards each other and the students. They're a little, they're not a little. Let me stop showing recording stuff. They're passive aggressive with it. So like, okay, so it's, so it's more of a, it's more of like a, like when I say relationship, I don't mean, I just mean anybody that you come in contact with, especially in a school community is you have a relationship with, right? Like they're a part of, you're part of a community together. So you would say it's like the interactions yeah. or the tone. The tone, is... they're, very, they're very rude with it. And it's all, it's funny because they always demand respect and they always demand that you talk to them nicely, lose the attitude, but they're not giving that same energy back. And respect is not given, it's earned, regardless of how old you are. Like if you're disrespecting me out of the blue, I, how, how do you expect me to respect you? I was really interested to hear what Antonia would say was the difference between having adults in the hallway and with the same objective, which is to ensure safety, make sure students get to class on time, be a friendly face in the hallway and build those connections and relationships. What was the difference between what was happening in her school now and when she has felt supported in the past. And she explained in her own words what other school leaders had done to talk to them in the hallway and made them feel respected. This is what she had to say. Be out and we'll stand in the hallways and be like, all right, guys, it's time to go to class. Make sure you're on time, you know, like... Especially to the seniors, he'll be like, oh, you guys are graduating, set a good example for your underclassmen and stuff like that. And, like, it was it was very, it was nice because he wasn't rude with it. You know, he'll be like, oh, go to, like, make sure you're going to class early so that you don't miss anything important or stuff like that. But now it's just, like, it's the yelling and it's the attitude and it's just the tone. It's like it gets people upset. Antonia... Antonia also mentioned that it's not just the way they're being spoken to as students by adults, but there's also tension between adults and that there's a noticeable way that carries over into the classroom. Now, I think she's really insightful here in trying to put herself in the shoes of the adults in the building because she has a thought as to why this could be the case, but nevertheless, there is an impact that she feels as a student when this is the case and when adults might have tension or may not be uh, getting along in school. Here's what she has to say about that. Yeah, and it's not even just that. It's just also the way they talk to each other, which could also like, influence the way our teachers talk to us in a way. Because if one of the staff, say like the staff get into like, an argument and then they're both upset and they go into a classroom they're still gonna have like that what do i say like that fire basically in them and they might accidentally lash out on the students and then the students might be having a bad day from that and it will just keep spreading i asked antonia if there were other parts of this system and i think students i mean people who aren't in education have a hard time understanding what we mean by the education system, right? So I wanted to push Antonia to pick apart the different parts of an education system and what she believed needed to change or what in her experience had been unfair. 
So we ended up having a conversation about grades, and she said that grading of all the things was one of the top things that needed to be addressed. And she shares an experience that she had as a student recently that had to do with grading. Here's what she had to say. To participate in like sports, I have to have passing grades. And sometimes teachers might, you know, tussle with you on your grades. And they're like, oh, like this is the grade you earned. I'm not gonna get, like, they're just, it's like, they're, some of these grading methods need to change. Tell like, me. All right, so I have this one class and there was an incident that happened with a student and a teacher. And the student had, like, he had, he had really good grades. Like, he had really, he got, he had a good grade in that class. Anyway, that's all I know. And, like, the teacher just, he bought his grade down, like, dramatically. And it's like. What do you, why, would you think that was because the student um, got a bad grade on a test? Or you're saying that there was another reason for the grade to go down? It's definitely probably like on a test because in that class he he doesn't really give out tests he -hmm. just hands us a worksheet and then if we finish it we just give it to him and it's that gets so boring and most students don't learn like that most students are like hands on and then they have to do something to actually be able to understand a lesson Mm -hmm. to like comprehend it. But he just it's just like paper, paper, paper every day, every single week. And he doesn't even take it most of the time. He's like, oh, just hold on to it. And then he'll forget about it. And then he's like, oh, you didn't turn this in. So that's a zero. Like for me, because I'm mostly like an honor student. And it's like I tend to get my work in before the actual date so that mm-hmm. I don't have to work. And if it's late, I'll make sure it's done. So... I had, like, maybe two assignments missing, and they weren't even really big assignments. And I went from an A to an F. Really? Yes, over, like, two little assignments. That didn't even matter. And I always ask, I'm like, is this, like, a big grade? So, like, I know to do it, like, right on time. But he did, He just he never even answered that. So I didn't really know. And I had talked to him about it. He's like, oh, you have so much work missing from me. I'm like, no, I don't. I only have two. And I gave it to you. And he just bought it up to, like, a C. A C at best. And that bothers me because I like my A's. Finally, Antonia and I talk about one final aspect of the urban education system, particularly for her in Providence because that's where she goes to school. That needs to change, and she's very specific. She has very specific reasons as to why it needs to change, what's wrong with it, and she uses a really vulnerable example from her personal experience, and when you hear what she has to say, it really helps answer the question of why representation matters to our students. We could have a larger conversation about representation in all aspects of our society, but, you know, this is Dissect Ed. It's an education podcast, and Antonia specifically wanted to talk about issues in our education system, issues where uh, it's not equitable and where there is systemic racism in her eyes. So she gave a very, very vivid and 
vulnerable example to go along with what she states next as one of the biggest challenges uh, in our schools. Um, diversity. Tell our me about that. Our school lacks diversity. Like, cause most the pop most of the population of the kids are either African American, Hispanic, they're Hispanic, or like the very few percentage of Asians. And like for us to not have any like black educators like that, or like even Hispanic educators, cause I could only name like a few. And it could be very difficult. Can you explain to, from your perspective, to our listeners, why is it important to you to have diversity among the teachers and leaders in the building? If I go to, say I have a, like a problem and I go to one of my teachers and they're not necessarily, they're not black, right? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't, they're not going to really understand where I'm coming from. They're going to always try to like, I'm not going to say beat around the bush. They'll be, just basically look over the issue and are like, oh, well, this is what you could do instead of da 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 And they won't know how it's affecting me as a black person. And you don't have to give an example. Like, you don't, you don't have to. Um, but I think sometimes one of the, because I've dealt with this as a, like just being very open and honest with you and with all of our listeners, I try to always be open about like the journey I've been on and, you know, how I've had to grow a ton and how I'm grateful for all the times I've been challenged by students um, or f- by the data, right, to, to be better and be more open and to improve or change my own um, decisions or practices as a school principal, as a teacher. Um, and one of the things that I don't think I realized I didn't understand enough about was representation. Now I've never, the only time I ever dealt with realizing that I needed that was when I was first, I guess I would say when I was a principal in Providence, I think that a lot of people listening, if they are, if they're white, they may not understand. They really, really may not understand what it, why it's important and what it looks like or what type of issue might come up where having somebody who looks like you or may have the same experiences as you is so valuable in helping you through something that's challenging. Do you have, what would you say to somebody who says, well, I mean, I was a student before and I, I mean, I, and I, I'm a teacher and I've been trained the same way as everybody else. So I can help you just the same. What, how would you explain it to somebody who really may not understand? It's not about like your position. Mm-hmm. It's about your perspective. If you can't at least try to understand my perspective, then you can't help me just the same. You know, it's like, I'm going to share an I don't know, because I can't really explain it without. Okay. So I had, I have this friend, and she was going through some, I was actually, no, I was going to the bathroom, and she was there, and she walked out, and just as I was about to go when we met each other, and she was like, she was worried, she was anxious about something, and she had asked for my help with her, with um, her situation. And I was like, oh, of course, like, I'll help you. But I have to go downstairs first to drop to run an errand for a teacher, and there was the the hall monitor. 
there and he was coming up the stairs and we were just going down and as soon as he saw us going down he like started following us and like i look back and i'm like okay that's weird maybe maybe he just forgot something and so when we approached the teacher's classroom i gave him what he needed what he asked for and then my friend i was like oh like just go visit melina tell her the situation and i'll be in class come find me if you need me and right then because you know how like um the first floor going up to the, the second floor that stairway when the doors close there's like very little space mm-hmm. so like he the hall monitor was just standing on like literally in front of the door and i was trying to go in through the open door and he like he gave me no space and already at that like i'm uncomfortable Cause I don't know you like that for you to be like all up in my bubble. Even if I did, like I wouldn't want somebody that close to me. Cause he gave mm-hmm. me like this much space, you know. And I was like, excuse me, I'm trying to slide by, and he's just he's not moving and he's not saying anything to me. And so I start going up the stairs, and then he started going up the stairs, and then I look back and I'm like, kind of I'm confused. So I'm like, what are we doing, like? Is there a problem? Do you want to ask for my pass? But he's not saying anything. Like there's, there was absolutely no communication. And so I start speeding up the stairs, hopping and hip, like just skipping stairs and stuff like that. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. So I got myself out of that situation. And so I, I went to the classroom that I was in and I told the teacher what happened. And she basically told me like, I told her I was uncomfortable. And she was like, oh, well, what did he do wrong? And that kind of, that that set me off. And it's like, I'm telling you, I'm uncomfortable. And you're telling me, you're asking me, what did he do wrong? And mind you, like, I'm a black woman. Like, I get followed around everywhere I go. Even though just being a girl in general, you get followed anyways. And it's it's uncomfortable. Like, I don't need what happens outside of school to happen in school. Mm-hmm. It's this is supposed to be my learning space. It's supposed to be my safe space. And I don't feel very safe. And she kind of just, like, belittled that. That is... Thank you for sharing that story. Because that must be difficult to share. Because it makes you relive the experience. Yeah. And also, that... Is... So, that you went back to the classroom, she, I'm assuming the teacher was white. Yes. And so with this question of why does representation matter, you, you, you answered the question when you said, I'm a black woman and I get followed a lot. Even as a woman, I get followed, but never mind being a black woman you know, outside of school. I don't need what happens outside of school to happen inside of school. And I, what I'm hearing there is that had there been a, your teacher been a black female, you probably wouldn't have had to say that. And the teacher may not have belittled what you, you wouldn't have felt belittled because the teacher may not have even asked you, what did he do wrong? It sounds like what you're saying is that that teacher would have been more likely just to understand when you said, I felt uncomfortable. And in that moment, what you would hope for, and tell me if I'm wrong, it sounds like what I'm hearing is in that moment, what you would hope for is somebody just to 
understand and say, mm-hmm. yeah, I understand why you felt uncomfortable. Yeah. So that sounds like a one example of, I'm sure, lots of examples of different things that where representation or somebody who may have shared experiences like that can just understand without you having to explain. Yeah. I've heard that. And, you know, I think anybody who's listening right now, you know, because I've, I've had this conversation a lot over years and what I say to my white friends and colleagues is, the response there shouldn't be to challenge that and say, well, not just color doesn't always matter. When somebody's saying to, when a, when a black female student is saying, I needed this, this would have made me feel better. Our, our role is one just to listen. And anybody else who's out there who's in a position to continue to, to build diversity among our, our teachers and our leaders in our schools this is why that's that is the reason why it matters because students who are not white are sick of explaining to white educators and white leaders what is uncomfortable yeah so i hear you when you say that diversity among staff is important and that that importance is because of the level of understanding that they may bring to a conversation, something as some, something that might seem as simple as being, being followed closely in the hallway, right? That seems so minor that, that, and I think that's what you mean by belittling or minimizing how you felt is that that might, you're, you're a great student, right? You're a leader on your athletic teams. You're a leader in the school. You get incredible grades. So a, a teacher may not even understand that that would have bothered you because they see you through a certain lens, right? And that people need to understand, anybody listening, um, need to understand that sometimes those really, those seemingly small moments actually feel are actually really big moments and big big incidents for students and we may not even realize that which is why it's important to get always have a student perspective and student voice because you know maybe the teacher that's a learning moment for that teacher to say oh I should I could have I could have responded in a different way or should have responded in a different way and it also goes back to the school system basically how you know like even with that, like, it, that's what really made me think, like, wow, the school system is rigged. Because it was just like, well, what did he do wrong? Indicating what did I do wrong to make it seem like he was, like, that I'm trying to point him to be in the wrong, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like, does my experiences or opinions not matter enough for you to believe that I was the victim in any situation, actually. Because it's always, well, what did you do to da 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 Or how could, have you, how could you have handled it in a, situ- in a different way? It's like, it always goes back to the person, to the victim. 
Like, it always goes back to blaming the victim. And putting it on you, almost implying, like, well, what did you do to have him follow you? Yeah. And being black, you basically hear that all the time. Because it's like, oh, like, you might have, like, provoked him. You might have threatened him. You know, stuff like that. And it's like that. It just, it, it adds up. Yeah. Um what you're expressing and explaining must be really hard to explain. Not hard because you, it hasn't happened to you, but hard because you're taking a deeply impactful personal experience and you're trying to explain that. Well, first of all, I'm white, right? So you're trying to explain it to me, but you're also trying to explain it to a larger audience. And that's, that's difficult. That's really hard in the moment to do. So um, thank you for being like so vulnerable to share that. And I have to say, you know, when you are sharing these personal experiences, you kind of just, you, you get into it and you start talking and it's very easy to understand why these are impactful to you and why this is really important to, um, because you just start to talk and that's really powerful. Um, like your vulnerability and your expression is super powerful when you when you tell your story or things that have happened. It's really, really powerful. And I want you to know that. You may not know that, but I want you to know that. Thank you. I want to deeply thank Antonia for being so vulnerable and so honest and so raw in trying to explain something that I'm sure is really difficult to explain. And what I've heard is extremely exhausting. To explain. I also want to make sure that I personally, as the host of this podcast, name that this is a topic that's actually incredibly important to me. I didn't know when Antonia reached out what she wanted to speak on. We had a pre-conversation just before we hit record, and that's when I knew that she wanted to talk about the issues that we talked about today. I hope that you have listened. I hope that if you haven't considered these topics or issues in the past or haven't heard a student's perspective on them, that you listened and truly heard what she had to say. If you want to reach out to Antonia, she said that she is open to dialogue and I'm going to tag her in my tweet of this episode and so you can find that you can find me at Michaela underscore underscore Keegan on Twitter you'll find this episode tweeted there you'll also find Antonia tagged there she recently created her Twitter handle to specifically address these issues again thank you Antonia this was a really important episode And you are a very important voice in what our teachers and students and school leaders need right now to start to change and improve our education system. Until next week, thank you for listening. Thank you for thinking deeply on this. And I will...